Hi, Wallace. Hi, Michelle. And hello, dear listeners. Welcome to the 12th house. We're delighted to have you this week. We have sort of a quick fire challenge. You loved when we did our quick fire case studies. So we wanted to go ahead and take the top five questions that we always get asked constantly in the DMs, in email, in Mighty Networks, and just rapid fire answer them. So we're going to do that. Yes. And a lot of these questions today, especially center around content creation and social media and putting yourself out there and going all in, quote unquote, on your projects. So I'm excited to dive in. These are good ones. Me too. We're going to give you the most bang for your buck, people. Let's start with our very first question. How do I prioritize my passion and business and our business while working a part-time or nine to five job? Wallace, what say you? I think at this stage, there's a few important things. One being that it is expansive and like and generative and fun and enjoyable, but also as repeatable as possible, or maybe not repeatable, but um, I think you said it well, actually making things an experiment. So making sure that it feels a little bit less precious at the beginning too of whatever you're doing. And it's not like everything is riding on you having it be a certain way, but you can be flexible and open and curious and pivot or change things as you go. Totally. When you're first starting anything, especially a business, you are only experimenting. Everything is an experiment. And if you look at it as, oh, like a pass or fail, as opposed to this experiment went well and this one didn't, but I still learned something from it, then that pass fail will get you down. You'll just feel like, ugh, I'm failing all the time. And when you look at it as an experiment instead, it's just more interesting, right? Like you're able to sort of suction out the valuable bits of whatever you went through in the last week or the last month. And you're also, I think, able to like take smaller bites and sort of like think of each little experiment as a tiny project. And as you check off those projects, that'll give you forward momentum as opposed to feeling like you're sort of chipping away at this giant mountain. It's like, oh, I summited that little peak. Now I'm ready to go to the next thing. Very well said. (laughs) Yeah. Thinking about, okay, what worked well? What did people respond to? What was I surprised by? What do I feel like I want to try more of? And just continually asking those questions week over week or day over day and remaining open and curious when things maybe don't even go the way that you thought or expected. I feel like mm, generally in life helps. <laughs> <laughs> we approach every single thing we do as an experiment pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like We've had yeah, this business for five years. A lot. <laughs> yeah. We also like We have a lot of failed experiments or experiments where Mm -hmm. we're like, well, that did not go the way that we thought it was going to go. But thank God we learned from it and we were open and flexible and now we're ready to move on to the next thing. Exactly. So there you go. The next question that we have is, I've built a system and now it's collecting dust. How do I get better at consistency? So many thoughts. thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. You brought up habit stacking, which I think is great. I mean, when do we not refrain to James Clear? (laughs) (laughs) Truly the patron saint of holisticism. (laughs) This is actually the James Clear fan podcast, (laughs) if you haven't noticed. (laughs) This is all just (laughs) really a bow to him. But 
All jokes aside, he talks about habit stacking, which you've probably heard us talk about a lot. But honestly, I always need the reminder myself. So habit stacking is taking advantage of building new habits using old habits. So an example would be after I pour my cup of coffee, I will read for 10 minutes. After I take off my work shoes, I will change into my workout clothes. After I light my incense, I will then go and do my editorial planning for the week, whatever it is. And it's just taking advantage of something that's already ingrained. It's pretty much like within your natural routine of when you wake up or when you get home, things that are easily incorporated into your day and adding one kind of simple, small new habit, I think can help with things that feel like these giant, big new routines that you need to create. But it could be like, okay, after I watch my show before or after dinner, whatever your thing is, I'm then going to close my computer and shut everything down. Before I do that, I'm going to look at my Monday hour one and see what's tracking for this week or what needs to change. Yeah. Yeah. And you might be listening to this being like, that's just a routine. And you're right. (laughs) That's just a routine. But it's like one habit at a time that you stack on top of. You don't want to build, to your point, like a giant, this is my two-hour morning routine because you'll just be like, oh, it takes two hours. It's so long. But if you think about it just incrementally, you're knocking down like one domino at a time. And that's so much more attainable. Yeah. And actually something you brought up when we were talking earlier about our notion for Magical Baddies class, Digital Alters, there's an exercise that you do at the beginning that is, what are you missing out on? Mm -hmm. If or, and I think this is also in system spells. Yeah. That's like the first question in system spells of what is your lack of systems costing you? And if this question is, I've built the system and I'm not using it, how do I get better consistency? Like sometimes that reframe really helps of like, what is it costing me to not use this? A lot of the time it's money. Like it is costing me actual cash to be disorganized or it's costing me time with my family when I'm always Mm -hmm. trying to catch up to making content or get to inbox zero or whatever it might be, or if I'm always procrastinating. And sometimes rewards can be a motivator and James Clare talks about that a lot, but pain and avoiding pain can also be a motivator, unfortunately, for a lot of us. And sometimes that helps to think about too. Like not only will I avoid the pain or this thing that I'm afraid of if I stick to my system, but I will also get the reward of an extra $500 in my pocket because I'm saving myself money or an extra hour with my partner where I get to sit and enjoy dinner with them as opposed to rush off to my email inbox as soon as the table is cleared. So it's like sweet and sour. And also thinking of reverse engineering, like a lot of great feats of achievement that you can think of or people you admire who run businesses you admire, you know, fill in the blank, are comprised of small, consistent habits over time. And remembering that and getting into the frame of mind of it doesn't have to be this huge action that takes a lot of time, but doing even five minutes a day or 15 or 30, whatever it is, over time compounds. And so it rolls back up to what am I missing out on? Maybe I'm missing out on future freedom that this business will create for me. That's a really good point. Yeah. What's the value I'm creating for myself now that's going Mm -hmm. to be compounding exponential in value in the future, invaluable in the future? 
Okay, our next question. How do I market slash advertise without social media? You have a very spicy take on this, and I would like you to say it. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I am not letting you not say it. I feel like I'm usually the spicy one, so I'm happy that you – I love this take. I just don't feel like there's really a distinction anymore. I know it sucks (laughs) to hear, but I think social media is advertising. Advertising is social media. And that's not to say that that's all social media is, but the world that we live in, marketing and content creation are so intertwined and integrated that I personally don't believe that you can quote unquote market without social media because you're really removing a lot. And we kind of joked about this before, but I think an example of marketing without social media is like, a billboard, <laughs> a TV ad. That's like old school marketing. Paris- catalogs. Yeah. <laughs> catalogs, right. Which, hey, those have their purpose too. I was reading the super interesting um, thing about, I think Parachutes catalog does really well for them. I bet. I remember getting the mm-hmm. J. Crew catalog in, in high school. I'm loving it. And yeah. also the J. Peterman catalog I sometimes get. And it's my oh, favorite yeah, place yes. to look for copy. I've never bought oh. anything from it, but man, it's such a good catalog. Wait, that's that's a hot tip right there. Also, IKEA's catalog, like notoriously iconic. Yes. So it's not that those things don't have their place, but it's almost like a misnomer to say I want to advertise without or I want to market without social media because actually, ideally, you want to be in dialogue and conversation with your community. You want to be getting feedback from them so that you're staying abreast of what they're interested in, what they want, what they like, what they want more of. So ideally, you want to find the social media platform that resonates the most for you. So it doesn't need to be TikTok or Instagram, but even something like Substack or email Mm -hmm. is to me a social platform. Podcasting. Yeah. So I don't really believe, I guess, in that idea of how can I just get off social media? And I totally respect that that works for some people, but I feel ultimately you need to think about why is it that I don't want to market? Why is it that I don't want to share this message? What is my issue with this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like word of mouth is a great way to market your work, right? But like, Mm -hmm. I think the, the bigger question I would ask here for dear listener, reader is what do you think social media is that you have an all or nothing perspective towards it, right? That it's like, I'm either a slave to social media or I'm completely off of it because that either or thinking, black or white thinking, we know that that that's a cognitive distortion and it's not the truth of like our experience. It doesn't have to be the truth of our experience. It can be if that's what we want it to be, but we also have a lot of choice and sovereignty in how we choose to engage with these platforms online. So I would just ask myself that, do I have a tendency to have black or white thinking, all or nothing thinking in what I do? I'm either all the way on or all the way off. And is that working for me? Probably not, I would say. I would also ask like, what's your general damage with social media? <laughs> like why? what's your gripe against it? Because I bet there's a way for you to work around that so much so that you don't have to completely eschew every single platform. And then finally, yeah, why is it that you maybe are afraid to market what you do, to talk about what you do because you don't want to be quote unquote salesy or because you don't want people to see you or because I don't know, you're afraid of getting rejected. And if you put yourself out there and you allow people to say maybe yes or no to you, they might say no. Here's the thing. People will say no. (laughs) Most people will say no. That's like, 
if you have a 2% conversion rate on a product, that's very good for like a D2C product or direct-to-consumer product. 2%, that's amazing. Great. You'd get millions of dollars of investment. Guess what? That means 98% of people say no to you. (laughs) So you have to be okay with getting rejected and failure. That's part of running a business. It's part of being seen. And it's just a numbers game at the end of the day. So Mm -hmm. if you want to be successful, whatever that might mean to you, it just means you have to get in front of more people. So instead of 100 people and 98 people saying no and two people saying yes, get in front of 500 people. So 10 people say yes. That's it. And social media can be the thing that helps you do that. It can help you scale and get and reach more people. So I don't know. Maybe it's just a mindset thing. To your point, it's both. Like It is a mindset thing. And then it's also if you're able to hire someone to help you with some of the execution, if that's not your strong suit, even if it's just like five hours a week to help you make templates or whatever it is, there's all different ways of kind of architecting it. But I think another question to your point is what would this look like if it was easy or fun? And that's also something we talk about in digital alters with like archetype embodiment doesn't have to be lame. It doesn't have to be boring. Like some of the most fun accounts, if I think of whether it's a creator account or a brand, it's usually people who are kind of tongue in cheek having fun with the platform. They're like, hey, I know this game is, you know, we're all kind of playing it, but let's at least have fun with it. Mm -hmm. Amen. I feel like we nailed that one. Good job. <laughs> Go us. <laughs> We're genius. You know, and I ran holisticism social for four years before passing yeah. it off to somebody else. So I get it. And I didn't I didn't want my face to be shown. I didn't want to be on it. I didn't like being on it. So I, I feel your pain, dear listener. And um that reframe really helped me. Totally. I mean, I was paid literally by TikTok to make videos for two months. And I was like, I hate this at the end. I was still like, I really hate this. I know how to make them, but I don't like it. Yeah. Um, so that? you just, you know, you got to find your lane and, and have fun with it. Next question. How do you stay organized and quote unquote disciplined when working for yourself, especially when you're not getting paid? I think when we're working for ourselves, it can be really easy to break the commitment that you have to yourself. Something that I think about a lot is if I put a meeting on my calendar with somebody else, I would never blow that meeting off like five minutes before and just be like, sorry, can't come. I would never do that because I respect other people's time. And I wouldn't do that to myself either because I respect myself and I respect my own time. So that's something that really helped me when I want to like sort of flick things off of my to-do list into oblivion and blow them off. And I also think that staying quote unquote disciplined might not be the right frame of mind. It's more like that resistance is always there and it's normal and it's healthy. And resistance is actually a sign that you're on the right path. If you haven't read The War of Art, I really recommend it. First time I picked it up was in college. I was at art school. I was at Tisch and I just felt like I didn't belong there. Like I wasn't good enough, even though I totally was. <laughs> I just felt like everyone is so much smarter than me and better than me and more talented than I am. And I read this book because I felt like I had so much resistance and nobody else had this resistance, but of course I was like so wrong. I read this book and it totally changed the game for me and it like helped open up so much for me to actually enjoy my experience and it totally changed my life. But the biggest takeaway is that resistance is a sign that you're onto something. 
that feeling of, I don't want to do this, or like, this is scary, or this is hard, or I want to blow this off. Like that is normal. That is part of like doing your sacred work in a way. And I think this is also where habits come to save us. And I'm again, going to fall back on, on dance and my experience, but there are so many days when I didn't want to wake up and go to dance and go to class, but you always start with class. You always start with bar. You start with plies and then you do tendus and then you do degages and you warm up your body, even though it's really fucking boring. And our habits are the things that we can rely on when every, when our passion, when our spirit, when our excitement is, is gone, is out the door. And they can like almost help us move through the motions, get through the motions to get back to that place. So I would say, go back to our question about habit stacking, but also like know that that resistance is a sign that you're moving in the right direction, I think. I have never felt more called out by a book than <laughs> The War of Art. Yeah, he's so, like he's like not, he's kind, but also not kind. Stephen Pressfield, I think is his name. Yes, that is a must read. I 1000% agree. And that's the thing too, is when you have good systems and habits set up in place for that, when you feel uninspired, that's okay. That's why you sometimes batch content because you do feel inspired and you know that there's going to be days where you're like, I just can't get out of that. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. I mean, also we've talked about this so much on the podcast, but what is the Stephen King or whoever quote that I always say, like, I always try to meet the muse or catch the muse, but she usually catches me when I'm sitting at my desk at 10 a.m. writing. It's like, yeah, when you show up consistently, like inspiration, it doesn't find you. It like knows where to find you in a way. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Well, you're opening the channels to receive. It's just, it's exercise, man. Being intuitive is an exercise and it's a practice and like channeling is a practice too. You can't just like turn it on or off. You have to like flex the muscle. So it's not so sexy, but it's worth it. It's fun once you know how to do it. And naming it too, just kind of like anxiety. I feel like once I read that book, um, to be able to see the resistance and be like, ah, there it is. Yes. And that's usually also a sign that you're um, hitting like some sort of growth edge or comfort zone boundary, you know, like you're ready to push past where you're at, your status quo. So, of course, your ego and all these other forces are going to come in and be like, no. Yes. Yes. I just want to be comfy, cozy. I don't want anyone to look at me. I don't want to be out there. That's such a good point. Whenever I have a moment of like, oh, this is really hard or like this is really uncomfortable or I don't like this and I want it to change. I know that on the other end of it is something really good Yes, that either I'm like not learning a lesson, but I'm like, I'm, I'm strengthening my muscles to like prepare me to be the future version of myself. And I'm like getting the opportunity to like try on a new character basically, because it also often means that the character that you've been acting as like you can't be anymore. Like their strategies don't work for this new thing that you've been called to do. So you have to call on a new archetype or embody a new archetype or become a new character or become a new version of yourself to like overcome the challenge or the boss at the end of the video game. Dorothy can't walk backwards on the yellow brick road. <laughs> yes. I mean, I just, I don't know if that actually works as an analogy. <laughs> I was just thinking of Dorothy. I'm like, well, she was forever changed. She couldn't go back. It's true. She can't see in black and white anymore. Okay. Last question, which is kind of like, I feel like a good continuation of this question. At what point do you know when to go all in on a project or an idea? And 
when to give up on a project or an idea. Wallace, thoughts? I was maybe taking the question a little too literally, but I was thinking (laughs) of, first of all, you need to define what is, quote unquote, going all in. What is your version of that? What does that look like? And who's defining that? Is that something you're defining for yourself? Is that defined by somebody else's voice, by society? And so from there, looking at what is that? And why is it right now that I'm not going all in? Is that because of lack of time? So priorities usually, not really time. It's just priorities. Mm -hmm. Is it financial reasons? Is it fear? And then from there, you can figure out, okay, so if this is what's keeping me from going quote unquote all in, which would be for me going all in would mean my ideal outcome, I guess, or my ideal energy exchange with the project. Mm -hmm. And then defining, okay, so if this is the thing keeping me like fear from going in on it, what am I doing right now to move past that and work through the fear? What about you? I like that of like, what is your idea of going all in? Because I think a lot of people, for a lot of people, it's, I want to go full time on a project. And I don't actually think that's the way for like, most things. I don't think you need to like solely focus, especially if you're like an intuitive, super creative, ADHD, squiggly brained person. Like you want to have a lot of projects that you're working on all the time. You don't want to work on just one thing because you're interested in so many different things. So I think defining that for yourself, like what does that mean? And is it your definition or is it like a societal definition of like all in or now I'm serious, quote unquote, because I don't know, I've quit my job. But I think about the idea of like, what is your burn the boats moment where like, Mm. I'm not going back. It comes from this idea of like, when you land in a new place, you burn the boats to keep from going back to where you came from. Right. So you have to stay and figure it out on that place. So that can mean like, yeah, you quit your job and you are done working there. Great. You've burned the boats, but it can also mean like, I am not going back to that version of who I was by either making a new commitment to yourself or creating accountability with friends, or I don't know, like starting therapy. Like I'm not going to go back to the version of myself who was depressed and didn't do anything about it. I'm instead going to reach out and get help. I've burned the boats on that version of me. I'm letting that version of me die because I'm ready to embody this new version and like take on this new challenge request. And I think when it comes to knowing when to quit something, when to leave, when to sort of give up on a project or an idea, it reminds me more of like relationships and how relationships are never really over. I think Dan Savage says this, even when a relationship ends, like you're not, let's see, dating anymore, you break up you're still in relationship with that person until one of you dies. And then you're still in relationship. You might not talk ever again, but you still are in relationship in a way. And I feel like it's kind of the same with projects. Like in this iteration, they might be done or it might be done. You might be done with it for a while, but like it might come back. It might come back as a different flavor of idea. It might come back as inspiration. It might come back in the exact same form, just a better time or you're better resourced. So I think it's easier to be less precious and sort of like let go of something when you know it's not like a finite ending. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's also loosening the grip. So it's it's having more flexibility and room for things to change to your point and fluidity and like dynamism within whatever project or relationship that you have, which allows for more 
intuition to come through, more inspiration mm-hmm. and more magic, I think. Yeah. We just at Holisticism decided to f- put the pause slash kill a project that we've been working on with another organization for like probably six months at this point. And we put a lot of energy into it, a lot of creative energy, things that we've never made before, a lot of time. And mm-hmm. it was something we were really excited about. It was also like definitely a download that we all got. And mm-hmm. we had to make the decision in collaboration with this other group who we are still obsessed with to mutually like kind of put it away because it's not the right time. And mm-hmm. we had other things, we all had other things we wanted to work on, but it's not the end of that project. We feel pretty confident that like it'll be born when it's ready to be born. And a lot of the sort of things that came up in the environment around us globally that asked us to sort of put a pause in the project and also in our own lives were almost like little signs and signals that like it's not quite time yet. And that was such a relief to come to agreement with that and be like, oh, it will tell us when it's ready to be born. Like we'll know because like the doors will open, the right doors will open. And it's not that we're completely washing our hands of it. It's more like we're at a pause moment. We're like at a wall right now and we're at a gate and we just need to find the key to unlock that gate. It might be time or it might be a little bit more knowledge or information or experience. And once we do, we know that we'll be able to walk through that gate and figure out what the next iteration of this project is. And I also think in in these situations, it's only something where you can connect the dots looking backwards. Mm -hmm. Like you can say, oh, there's unfinished business. I'm leaving it open for whatever is meant to happen down the road, but I don't need to know right now what that is. And I can also walk away knowing that like things can rest and germinate while I put it down to rest for a bit. Yeah, I just I feel like it's never over, man. Like give yeah. up. Like it just you're just putting it on the shelf for a little while. I might run into an ex in another country. <laughs> you never know. You, you, never. you never know. You guys gotta stay open, you know? Accept the quest. Ooh, I like that. Accept the quest. Yeah. Commit to the bit. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoyed this. And if you want to learn a little bit more about Digital Altars, our Notion for Magical Bodies class that teaches you about social media systems and spells, it is happening super soon. So we'll put the link in our show notes. And it's a four-day class that I teach. Wallace might teach some classes this time. Yeah. Who knows? (laughs) I'm just bringing bringing that on her right now. Um, We'll (laughs) see what happens. But uh, it's really fun. It's really, really fun. We start every class with a meme challenge. And oh, man. If you want to just make content, like come to class because I know I feel like it's not even just about social media. It's very much about like self-actualization as well. It really is. And not taking yourself too seriously. Uh, Having fun. (laughs) That's how you get the most shit done anyway. It's true. Yeah. I would say when something's really not fun anymore for too many days in a row, that's a good time to put it on pause. Truly. And if you're also working collaboratively with a group and it's really not fun, and it, it might be dead. Huge fan of it quitting. Might... Huge fan of yes. quitting groups. <laughs> <laughs> quitting group projects. <laughs> no, but like especially collaborative creative work is so specific. And when you find a good collaborator or have a good collaborative relationship, like you hear this a lot with artists who are copywriter art directors or people who work like so in tandem where they're like we found each other and we never let go because it's so special so that's just a side tangent about good collaborative relationships are hard to find it's true so it is true when you have a good team consider yourself blessed hold on to them tight but 
I think that's it. Hopefully these were helpful questions that we answered. And if you have more, we'd love to hear them. We are actually doing some more Q&A next week. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for more. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, we'll see you on the internet. If you have any questions, shoot us a note. And uh, we'd love to hear what you think of the episode. Leave us a what is it? A review? I was going to say testimonial. Leave us a testimonial. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us so much get found by other people. And uh, we really, we read every single review, good and bad. It would be nice if they were they were good, but we like to hear your feedback, what you like, what you want more of, all that good stuff. We love you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for spending this time with us. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. The Twelfth House is produced by yours truly, Wallace Miller Blanchard. Our theme music is made by Nathan McKay, and our wonderful editing is done by Softer Sound Studios, who you can find more information about in our show notes.